Welcome to the Mold Matters Podcast. Whether you are looking for help recovering from mold illness or just want to learn more about creating a safe environment for your family, this podcast is the place for you. Yeah, you know, that the 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 pressure negative or positive air pressure on a home so you talked about obviously if it's negative that means it's kind of it's a vacuum it's, yeah. yeah it's a your your inside is the vacuum right it's pulling in from the outside your door's going to slam right. shut when you open it yeah yeah now, is there is, so is there an ideal pressure you want on your home and what is that there is <laughs> the ideal pressure would and some of this depends on where you live in the country but ideal is either either a balanced where it's a, you know, zero, or it's a little bit positive. And if you know, if you're going to a hospital, uh, almost all of their surgical centers um, in that hospital is under positive pressure. And the reason is because they want to blow the microbes out, believe it or not, not <laughs> yeah. suck them in. Right. <laughs> so Positive, Just blow out towards the waiting room. <laughs> That's right. That's, <laughs> That's right. Where we're sitting waiting on our right. sick patients. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think a little bit under positive pressure is a good idea. Uh, that's not always easy to accomplish and it's got to be done right from the beginning, but balanced is what my goal has always been. And that's what I did in my house was to make sure that it was absolutely zero balanced. And yeah. so then if it does go under negative pressure, when you turn on a bathroom fan or you turn on the range hood or you turn on the dryer, anything that's going to suck air out of the house now is pulling fresh air in through that fresh air makeup. So yeah. that's that's what I think from my humble opinion is uh, is what we really want is just a balance of uh, not negative or positive. So Doug, is it is it safe to give this advice to people who they don't want to spend a lot of money, but they want to know, is my house positive or negative pressure? If you turn off all of your appliances in your home, your HVAC, everything off, and just open your front door with everything else closed, that probably should not want to open farther or probably should not want to close. Would that be accurate, you think? I, I think that is accurate. Unfortunately, though, Mike, I think a lot of the times a negative pressure or positive pressure is as a result of the HVAC system yeah, and it, yeah. it actually running. And so if it's yeah. if it's uh, sized improperly, then it can put the house under negative pressure or under positive pressure, where if it were turned off, you might end up with just a balance, you know, zero. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So sometimes it's the biggest contributor, especially if it's sized improperly, the biggest contributor to to creating that pressure differential. So is it the so it's the size of the HVAC unit that can that contributes to the positive or negative pressure. Is it also the amount of returns versus supply registers? Does that play Absolutely. into it? So it's Absolutely kind of an equation of those things combined. I can yes. see how that can yes. get kind of complex. I don't know how to, you know, I, I wouldn't be the one you'd call to say, help me fix my, my pressure per don't, se. Don't balance my house, Jared. Don't balance Please, my house. Could. Yeah. <laughs> but I can imagine it being complicated. Like I need to figure out if you got the right size first. Yes. And then, okay, maybe you only have one return and I don't know. And where is the return located? And yeah, yeah. It, it, it is a complicated process, but fortunately there's a lot of science behind it. And unfortunately, a, a lot of HVAC guys don't know that this exists, but you probably remember in my book, what I did for my house was I hired 
a mechanical engineer and it only cost me a couple of hundred dollars, but he ran what's called a manual J and a manual D. The manual J calculates the load calculation on exactly what air, what size air conditioning system you need based on that house, that specific house sitting on that specific lot. That's the manual J. And then the manual D designs the, the ductwork. So when you do that, when now you're taught, now you're kind of in the commercial arena. They they always do that for commercial environments. Yeah. They just yeah. don't typically do it for residential environments. But that's how you solve the problem that you're talking about. Retrofitting is not easy. If you've had a house yeah. that's under positive pressure or under negative pressure, it can be done. It's just not easy. It's not nearly as easy as to do it from the start, which is another one of those unintended consequences. I yeah. saved a few hundred bucks because I didn't hire a mechanical engineer. Now I got to deal with the consequences yeah. the rest of my life. You know? Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Um, so let's, uh, let's hey, move. Let me, let me ask one more thing that keeps sticking out in my mind on this, yeah. on this house I talked about in California. It oh, was, yeah. it was a fairly, uh, modest, just, uh, a rambler house yeah. one yeah. level. Yeah. But they had just a ginormous air conditioning unit on the outside. Yeah. Is 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 that as big an issue as an undersized or oversized furnace itself? Or how does that play in? Is it the furnace you're looking at or is it the air conditioner or both? Yeah, it's it's uh, actually the air conditioning, the sizing of the air conditioning system itself, I think is probably one of the most neglected areas addressing indoor air quality. And I, no. the way I think about it is this way. If it's oversized, an air conditioning system is primarily designed to dehumidifier, to take moisture out of the air. That's what it's primarily designed to do. If it's oversized, then it's going to short cycle and it's not going to run long enough to get the moisture out of the air. So you got a moisture problem. Yeah. On the other side, if it's too small, it's going to run and run and run and run and run yeah. and never get the moisture out of the air. So yeah. you've got the same result, which is what you and I deal with all the time. Mold. You've got yeah. the same problem on either side. If it's undersized or oversized, you're going to have a moisture problem. Yeah. 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 So that in, in that crawl space example that Mike gave, you know, cause that's technically not, you know, a living space usually. And so, yeah. um, you know, that's, that's almost a whole nother, a whole nother deal, right? Because the HVAC system, if it's not plumbed, you know, down into the HVA or down into the crawl space, you've got the living space that, you know, say you get that under a neutral or positive pressure, that crawl space could have its its own dynamic in and of itself, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and, absolutely. It's an artificial it, environment. Yeah, it's an artificial environment, Jeremy, almost like your attic, you know? Yeah. It's yeah, uh, your yeah. your attics are typically much hot, hotter than it is outside, right? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. your your crawl space is is much moist, much wetter than it is outside. So it's an artificial environment that's creating problems. And now, if that's not sealed off and isolated from the conditioned space, from the living space, then yeah, you're going to have all kinds of issues inside. Yeah, I, I'm just thinking, if, is there any way? Because you know, we've and we've talked about this in the podcast how often that moldy crawl space, you know, causes issues inside the living space, right above it. I mean, it's just impossible to keep the, the mold and contaminants from coming up stack effect, yes. or maybe it's pressure yeah. issues. I'm not sure what it always is, but is there, is there any way to mitigate that, you know, from pushing yes. up to the house and what do you, what do you suggest yeah. there? 
Yeah. Well, absolutely. I, I think so. Here's a here's a concept. I know you you'll really like this. You'll grab onto this. But we always tell our guys when we're training them that, especially on the assessment side, if they're doing mold assessment, they need to go to a subdivision somewhere where they're building houses, and look at those houses and the crawl spaces under construction and see how many holes there are in the floor. Holes for plumbing, holes yeah. for electrical, holes for the tub. You know, yeah. and if you don't seal those up, what's going to happen? All that stuff in the crawl space is going to come up into the environment. Yeah. So, yes, it's not an easy, it's not an easy task retrofitting. But what we think in terms is you have, you really only have two choices with a crawl space. You either isolate it from the conditioned space, which means sealing off that floor and subfloor. Uh, in some way so that that crawl space is truly outside air and not contaminating the inside, or you incorporate the crawl space with the living space and make it conditioned space so that now you've, you've sealed it from the outside and it becomes part of the air that you breathe. And that's the concept of a conditioned right. crawl space where you know you've got the floor sealed, you've got the perimeter wall sealed, and now what you're doing is you're essentially air conditioning the crawl space. Right. Yeah. And you know the other thing I thought about was was the vents in the crawl space. I think that's incredibly important. This house did not have vents that I'm talking about. We had them cut vents and then go back and and treat the house one more time. And she's back in the house now, but that that crawl space had no vents. Well, and that's, that's, yeah. that's something we talked about too, because, you know, here in Utah where we're dry, it really, in most cases is, is a great idea just, just to get ventilation in that crawl space. Cause it's dry that's air, right. but we talked to some of our guys in the South and they're like, well, no, works, yeah. that makes it work. You're just inviting all this humid <laughs> air into the house. Yeah. So I know some yeah. of that's regional, like you're saying, and, and probably that's situation right. specific. To so, so what do you rec recommend down in, like in your area? Doug, yeah. down in Louisiana. Do you recommend for crawl vents? space yeah. vents or? Yeah, we high, we highly recommend that uh, it be completely a, a part of condition space, a part of the living environment that okay. you isolate it from the outside. Um, yeah, I I think the problem is like you said in the south, you're dealing with eighty plus percent relative yeah. humidity outside. Yeah. You can't get enough vents <laughs> to get yeah. that air exchange underneath right. the crawl space, uh, yeah. even if it's on. Uh, pilings, it's really hard to get the the air moving underneath that crawl space and getting rid of the moisture. So what we always recommend is if you're going to have vents, which some people are not going to go the conditioned route, if you're going to have vents, then you need to figure out a way to isolate that floor, you know, some somehow seal it uh, yeah. underneath so that you're not bringing those contaminants indoors. Yeah, I see. And and sorry to go back to the sealing up the cracks and stuff in the subfloor and flooring between the crawl space and the living space, but is, is that not standard protocol for a, or a construction, um, a contractor, or is that something you need to request if you're building a home or. Well, I'm sure that's probably a regional thing as well. I'm sure there are probably some municipalities where they require that. Like uh, I said, in San Antonio, where they're requiring blower door testing, that would be part of things that they would require as their local code. But yeah. uh, that's one of the reasons why I wrote mold pre-construction, Jeremy, because I think a lot of a lot of things are different in different parts of the country. Some places they will allow things the way they they wouldn't allow things in another part of the country. Um, short story: I I built a house for a friend in Atlanta. I was living 
I was actually living in Florida at the time, had a Florida license, had all my licenses in place, went to, it was actually Rome, Georgia, it wasn't Atlanta, went to Rome, Georgia, was going to build this 3,000 square foot house for this guy. I went up there in a suit and tie, took all of my licenses and all my credentials, sat down with the guy that was going to approve the drawings. And he said, you ever built before? I said, yeah. He said, oh, okay, well, you can build this one. I said, don't you want to see my licenses? And he said, no, son, if you don't build a good house, you'll never build another one here. And so. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, different parts of the country do different things in regards to minimum standards. Well, in different yeah. parts of the world also. I was just on the yeah. conversation, phone conversation with one of our licensees in Australia. And he yeah. said, it's unbelievable in Australia what kind of what they get away with, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I want to, I, I want to just talk about a couple more things, Doug, while we have you, I know your time's precious, but kind of, you know, we, we're talking about air infiltration. We haven't talked about um, water infiltration too much, but you know, the air coming into our homes can bring in contaminants. If you do it right and filter it, you know, that fresh air makeup can be a good thing. You know, Mike talked about, you know, commercial settings. It's pretty common practice. Am I not mistaken in commercial facilities to have some kind of fresh air makeup coming in? Yeah. Yeah. It's required by code. Yeah. It's required. And, yeah. Maybe let's talk about that for a second. Why is that? And then why is it different in residential or why, you know, why is there that difference there? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And I'll tell you what, it's like a question of the ages. Uh, it used to be back in, uh, again, going back to the 70s and 80s, one of the big changes that they made uh, to, in regards to these energy concerns was that they lowered the amount of fresh air that was required to be brought into a building. Uh, prior to the 70s, they actually had a standard for commercial buildings, how much had to be made. And there were suggestions at that point that maybe they should actually do that with residences. And then because of the energy crisis and they on the commercial buildings, they lowered the amount of air that was required to bring into the outside. Then the discussion from an international building code standpoint was, well, you know, do we even really need to address it on residences? Hmm. And so it never really got addressed. And I, it's a little frustrating to me because even though now it's required on commercial, it's not required on residential. On commercial, the manual J, the manual D I was talking about, that's required, yeah. but it's not required on residential. Interesting. So I don't know all the politics. I hate yeah. to use that word, but I don't know all of what went into those kinds of decisions, but it's certainly not the way I think that, that houses should be built. Because you can, again, mitigate a lot of problems by doing some pretty simple things. Yeah, so you're you're a, you'd be a proponent of of getting that more in the residential setting where you can get more fresh air in there, as long as you can filter it, right? Filter it. Absolutely. Make sure it's, make sure it's a got. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, of course, you know, my, my view of this whole thing from um, my book and the standpoint of, of the construction side of the industry, my whole view of this is looking at the house holistically. It's yeah. a, it's a living, breathing organism and you can do one thing and screw something else up. Yeah. yeah. So what you need to yeah. do is you need to think in terms of, you know, how how does this whole thing work together as a system? Yeah. And I think that's the really that's the really important steps that that need to be taken when somebody is either building or retrofitting. So yeah. let me just 
I know this 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 next question could be a whole nother podcast. In fact, we're planning a podcast. I know this. where you're going with this already. Okay. Yeah. You, you, you're going ERV, HRV? Yeah. yeah. ERV, HRV. What, yeah. what are your yeah. thoughts on that? Uh, I'm a believer in certain situations. Again, I think it's kind of a, you have to look at the holistic view of that particular environment and find out whether or not that actually works. If you If you're retrofitting, they absolutely, I think, have a place uh, if you're wanting to go to a positive pressure environment uh, or you want to uh, go to neutral pressure, those kinds of things really work. I think that, again, it, it, it's almost, I don't want to say case by case, but it's almost, yeah. that's kind of the way I view it. I, I kind of, so in our, in the HVAC industry, you know, they call those appurtenances. They're things that you add on to the air conditioning system, like just like a dehumidifier. I'm not a big believer in adding dehumidifiers to the HVAC system. I, I think if the house is designed properly and you have a manual J and a manual D run on the house and it's sized properly, you should never need a dehumidifier. Right, a dehumidifier good. is kind of a Band-Aid, you know? Yeah, yeah, and I kind point. of feel that way about ERV. It's like, yeah, yeah I can see a place for them, um, but it would be under certain conditions. You know, yeah. just, and we, we don't have anything but just, a little bit of anecdotal experience with these. I just, my personal opinion is I think you need to be careful with these things because I think yeah. you can build up a mold load within those, the core, the, the core of that thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we have a absolutely. house we're dealing with right now and, and it's very moldy or it feels, it, it, it feels moldy. It's we're picking up mold on tests and there's no, there's no sign of it in there. And then we kind of dissected the ERV the other day and it, it just felt, Felt awful. Felt yeah. awful in there. Yeah. And and once so we gonna... opened it. In fact, once we opened it, I started getting physical symptoms. Like it was, yeah. it was not. Yeah. Good. And so yeah. again, we we're kind of on the beginning end of the journey. We've researched it quite a bit on the internet, but we haven't. You know, all we have, like we said, is just some the, a couple experiences with some customers, and so we're trying to figure out. But I, I like what you said. I mean, if you if you figure out the right, you know, system and size for the house you know maybe that's the better way to go than trying to get and, and every case is its own deal yeah, yeah you can't can i give you can i give you a, tell you a quick story about uh, an interesting hvac system that i saw i'd never seen this before i went out yeah. to an oil rig uh bp oil rig and it's about six thousand square feet and one air conditioning system cools the entire rig 320 rooms individual rooms and at the end of every run, every single duct run to that room, at the grill going into the room was a VAV to control the, the volume of air going into that room and the temperature. So every single room had its own thermostat. Hmm. Now, they had a computer running this thing that took up a whole room. But the point was, is that when somebody went into their room to sleep and they wanted it 65 degrees, they could have it 65 degrees and the person next to them have it at 72 degrees. Hmm. So the, that particular appurtenance, that, that piece of equipment, you can imagine throughout that entire rig, every single one of those was unbelievably contaminated with mold problems yeah. because they all have a coil. Yeah. They all have a, uh, you know, uh, fins to direct the air. And it was just a massive, cleanup job and oh, wow. yeah. so that's you're exactly right i think that's the kind of kind of thing you're looking at now in that environment they didn't have a choice 
They had to do that because of the way the thing was constructed and what they wanted to accomplish in terms of keeping the rooms uh, separated. But yeah. my goodness, what what a major problem, mold issue. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so kind of our last question then, Doug, what, you know, let's let's maybe talk. I know you're in the, uh, you know, you, you, you're the founder and CEO of Normie. You also have gotten into the air filtration industry, you know, because obviously that fits really well with what you do with air quality. So maybe let's kind of conclude with talking about what can what can you do to mitigate your your air quality infiltration issues. You know, you could yeah. I don't know if you want to mention air filtration or any other ideas you have for yeah. people that we haven't mentioned. Yeah, I, I I would. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I'm going to uh, put the the chicken before the egg here. Um, okay. Actually, I got into the indoor air quality air purification equipment business prior to Normie. I got involved in that actually in 1996. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when I wrote my book, you know, in the late 90s. And so I was actually selling and designing air purification and air filtration equipment uh, before the turn of the century, as they say. And then uh, Normie was created in 2004. And so it obviously only made sense as we were doing training on mold remediation for our guys. They would say, well, what kind of air purifiers should we use? And what kind of air filters should we use? Well, why is that important? And it was a really easy connection between Normie, which was the training and certifying agency, and Best Living Systems, which was our products company. And of course, full disclosure, I own both. But we do a lot of uh, really cool stuff with air purification. We've got some really unique trademarked uh, patented technologies that nobody else in the country has. And those, what's cool about that, Jeremy, and I think what's really important to this discussion is that we were talking about mitigating air infiltration and moisture intrusion problems. Uh, they can't be 100% mitigated. I mean, they're still, I have air purification technologies in my house, obviously, and air filters, good filters. So you, every time you open the door and walk in from, in from the outside to the inside, you know, we're like pig pen. We're bringing stuff in behind us. Yeah. And so you, you're no matter what you do in terms of effectively dealing with air infiltration and moisture intrusion problems, you've still got the everyday contaminants that we're dealing with, the flecking off of our skin and and the odors mm-hmm. that we get from cooking and all those sorts of things. So we're big believers in air purification and air filtration technologies, uh, high tech stuff, and that's what Best Living Systems is all about. And I appreciate your given me an opportunity to talk about that because it's some pretty cool stuff. We just won a, a honorable mention innovative award from ASHRAE on some of our uh, air purification technology. So it's it's a big deal. And of course, our members have opportunities to make those available to their clients where it seems to fit. Yeah. Yeah. We've we've <clears throat> began using some of your, your best living systems products. And I I'm a big fan. I think yeah. it's a great a great addition to what we do in our work, especially. With- you know, one, uh, one concept that we've always tried to share with our customers is after we're done, we want to make this home very inhospitable to mold. Yeah. And, and that's kind of the idea there. Just arm your home. Yeah. That mold does not like to hang around in there. Yeah. Well, Mike, that, that's why we get along so well, man. I know. I know. <laughs> it. We're kindred spirits. We talked about that. Yeah. 
<laughs> I know. I've been saying for years, when we tell our remediators and our assessors to go out and do mold projects, it's not just about fixing the problem. It's about fixing the problem and then making sure you're creating an environment in which that problem is not going to come back. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, that that's uh, way beyond just a hit and run kind of approach that a lot of, a lot of these guys take. We had a we had a guy come to one of our conferences and he was speaking about how to get repeat customers and we were like no 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 we don't want repeat customers we didn't do our job if we have a repeat customer you know that's right <laughs> that's exact that's exactly right if we yeah. do it right we don't have to have them come right. back to yeah. us yeah exactly <laughs> so we could do it. We could do a whole nother podcast on some of the cool yeah, let's, technologies. Let's in a while. Yeah, yeah. Maybe if you want to come back again, Doug, we could do one even on the, the PCO technology. Cause we, again, we've mentioned it here and there, and I think it's kind of an exciting thing. And, um, I guess I will say this is a caution I always have to make. Cause I, I do run into a lot of people who think that they have a mold, a legitimate mold issue in the home. And, and they mistakenly believe if I put this device in my home, that's going to fix my mold issue. You know, you really, you have, there's a couple step process. You got to really mitigate the mold or, or do a, a, a really comprehensive sanitization protocol like we do. Mm -hmm. And then right. that second step of putting in some air, uh, filtration devices or some of this PCO photocatalytic oxidation Correct. technology, yeah. Um, yep. and, and some of the ionizers that you guys have come up with and probes and things, I think, uh, I think it's a very, uh, uh, anyways, it's just a great way to, like you guys have said, to make the home inhospitable. If you'll come back, we'll have you tell us all about it. But for now, um, Doug, we, every guest we have on the show as a, as, as a token of gratitude, we let you, um, kind of advertise for yourself. Um, maybe, maybe mention some websites or if anyone listening wants to know more about Normie or best living systems, how do they get in contact? Well, thank you very much, guys. Love working with you and, uh, look forward to, uh, many years of fixing people's unhealthy homes, which yeah, is right. kind of yes. exciting to do. So, yeah. so Normie, our simple website is, uh, www.normie.org normie.org very simple we've got a great staff of people that can answer your questions if you email us or call us directly uh, that's pretty easy to do best living systems new website is blsproducts.com blsproducts.com and we just put in place back to introduce last week a, a new affiliate program for uh, guys who want to uh, build a team of people to sell some of these products and represent that company, some of the neat stuff that we're doing there. But uh, that's that's where it is. And we're just happy to help. Thank you for the opportunity to, to kind of uh, blow our horn. We think we've got something that's unique and something that uh, is definitely needed. We always say that I, we're all about uh, helping people have cleaner, safer, and healthier environments. And I think when you, you look at these multifaceted problems and you've got a multi-strategic solution you're on the right track and that's yeah, what we're trying to do and and, yeah. and let me just say in conclusion because uh, parts of the mold remediated remediation and sanitization industry have a reputation as being quite closed-minded i wouldn't say all of it but we've been it's been very refreshing getting to know you, Doug, because you do have kind of this expansive vision and and you're pushing innovation, I think, which is very much needed. There, there are so many gaps 
and and holes in 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 some of the current protocols out there that we're you know and and I wouldn't even say we have all the answers completely yet ourselves you know we're all figuring it out but it's been good That's to right. get to know someone like you where you're great. yeah or you're open minded you're you know you're you're pushing the innovation trying to figure out you know better ways each day to to uh, improve the the mold remediation uh, protocols out there so hats off to you and yeah to many more years as we try and navigate this world and figure out how to make homes healthier so thanks for your well, time thank you jeremy i think we got a big market out there i always tell people the only people who need what who what we have to offer are people who breathe and so i think uh, <laughs> that is true i, I think i think we're gonna have a big market uh, for a yeah. very very long time i agree yeah well thanks Doc. thanks for joining and, and for you. your expertise i learned Appreciate some good it. stuff today i need, yeah. I, I do need to learn more about hvacs and, and the, i that's something i should put on my to-do list so Thanks for your time, well, thank Doug. Thank you, guys. Okay. We'll, we'll be in touch. We'll catch up down time. the road. All right. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Mold Matters Podcast. Be sure to subscribe for more in-depth information on mold illness and recovery.